You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Swetman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Good morning, Joe Clark. So nice to be chatting with you again today. How are you doing? Yes, Richard Sweatman, I am well. Nice to be chatting to you too. And Richard, I have some questions for you. Are you ready? Oh yeah, no, I'm ready. Far away. I'm starting in. I'm starting in straight. So the thing I want to talk about is how I have jumped on the women's uh, World Cup bandwagon by oh, really? watching wow. the first soccer game I watched. I've worked out the last time I watched a soccer game was in 2006 on TV, mm-hmm. and so that was the France World Cup win back in the day. <laughs> And so, 2006. This is yeah, a long time. A long time. But I'm really proud of Australia. Well, I see our sportswomen, you know, in in their action, in action. So I watched the game the other night against Canada, which was a full this is, nil win. This is huge for you, Joe. Yeah. And this is really big. I only watched half of the game oh, because okay. yep. I could, I, I was doing some other things and lost track of time. And then I was like, oh, wait, I was going to watch that game. So I jumped on. Yes. But you now have a choice to answer three questions because while I deeply admired the women and their incredible athleticism and was a very convincing win, et cetera, there are three things that confuse me about soccer and I want you to pick one and answer it for me. Okay. Here are your three questions. One, why do the players fall over in pain and then after a suitable amount of time get up and keep playing again? That's one thing. Rather than being taken off the field. Mm-hmm. Two, two. Uh, what's the deal with the timing of the game? It got to 80 minutes and then they played for an extra amount of time and then they played for an extra amount of time. And three, what is it with the offside rule? Don't get that. Oh, wow. the, the goal didn't get allowed. And I was like, wait, I'm so confused by why, why this didn't get allowed. So I'm going to leave it to you to decide which of those you want to answer. But they're the, they're the questions of that I'm wondering about oh, as I try to engage with. I, I think I can, I can give you a quick answer for all three. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Um, so the getting hurt and falling over one, um, yeah, it does, especially for a rugby league fan, it does look there like they're a bit soft, um, okay. but it is genuinely painful to get studs going through your boot. These boots are quite fl- flimsy. They're not built for protection. They're built for lightness and, um, okay. um, and, or if, to get a knee in the thigh, if you can imagine just, you know, you're walking along and someone runs up to you and jams their knee into your thigh. You know, that's going yeah. <laughs> okay. to stop you for a while. So when I see them falling down, I'm like, oh, that must really hurt you because you're a high-performance athlete and you'd rather be running. Yeah, it's it's okay. 89% okay. genuine, maybe if they're short okay. of time. Yep. Next question on the uh, timing. Yeah, there's something called stoppage time. So there's some little people in a booth who kind of keep track of the injury breaks, um, the uh, penalty review, timing stuff, maybe the ball is- I don't know if you're about ball out of play kind of stuff. Um, so they tell the referee that we've we've added up what's missing and there's about five minutes of stoppage time to play. Yeah, right. And okay. then the referee has discretion to, say, let it a little attacking run go a bit further or accommodate a bit of time if there's further breaks during that stoppage time. But um, it's there so that you get – there's a full kind of uh, 90 minutes of, um, of actual play. Okay. So – it's two 40-minute halves plus extra. Um, Is that it? Two 45-minute halves plus yeah. extra. Okay, right. Yeah. Wowzers. Okay. So question, offside. Offside. Oh, that one's pretty a bit complicated. The simple thing is, and I'm not a, a master of this one, 
is that when a, an attacking player kicks the ball forward, um, he, their, uh, their fellow player can't be behind the last defender. Uh, can't, yeah, can't, sorry, can't be in front of the last defender, not counting the goalkeeper. Uh, the front. So, okay, yep. I'm, I'm going to leave that one as a complex one. <laughs> it's, it's to stop attackers sort of wandering around the goalie and just sort of, yeah, being ending up more like an AFL game. So it's a, Yeah, never having yeah. to come down into the play. Okay. Yeah, getting the players involved. Yep, tight passing. Good. Right, Joe, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, getting Thank into you. football. Well, I don't know yet whether I'm going to watch the next match, which is against Denmark. But I am feeling very proud of our team and have gone and wikipedia a few of them and think that they are truly excellent players. So maybe I will. Yeah, sure. Enjoy. Have you watched any? Uh, yes, I've watched um, quite a bit, actually. And nice. um, I think I just yeah enjoyed because it, it matters. It's it's a big event and um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. as big as the men's one, I suppose, in terms of audience and so on. But yeah, yeah. people are working very hard, and there's some there were some great skills in the England on the England team I saw yesterday with volleys yeah. into the back of the net and that sort of thing from some great players. But yeah, enjoying it. Mm. What about what about you? What have you been up to? Well, I have bought a ticket for my 30 year school reunion, Joe. <gasps> uh, Whoa. Oh. Yeah, this is, I want to talk to you about this. Almost want counseling for you on this one, Joe, because, uh, <laughs> you know, school reunions, they're heavy stuff. I went to their 20 year reunion because I thought, well, 20 years, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to face my year. Like uh, school wasn't an amazing time for me. Um, but, uh, uh, but the 30 year won't come up and, and same sort of thing. I thought 30 years and it, it was just a fairly simple $50 kind of, um, snacks at the pub in the North shore kind of thing that they hadn't put on it harbor cruise or anything which is great so i thought i can do this i'll go along um but uh yeah i'll uh, what what's your attitude towards school reunions joe do you but well, it's actually my 20 year reunion this year and i'm not going oh, really <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'd have to i'd have to fly to brisbane for it so that's pretty yeah, pretty sit in brisbane you've got a good i'm gonna just go go down to sydney yeah i mean i do what what will you do there that's the question i have for you yeah, well, I will. I will go in. Hopefully, there's name a name tag system. I will, actually, I've dug out my. I found my old yearbook, so I'm going to do a little review, pre-event study. <laughs> know, some, know some names, and nice. I'll just go there with my set questions. You know, looking, um, you know, how are you going? What are you up to? And I, I'm going to be sort of prime myself spiritually to say, I work at a church and I teach the Bible and I teach people <laughs> about Jesus. <laughs> you have the faith. You know, if I can just yeah, fire up there and um, you know, not be ashamed of the gospel or anything like that, um, that that will be part of the part of the thing. Nice. And then um, it'll be yeah, mostly ten minute conversations with people, uh, unless I find an old friend who uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk a bit longer. You can stand and chat with a bit longer. I'll be uh, mm-hmm. on my way. <laughs> I think like that, that sounds great. I think that sounds really good. If I were you, this you don't have to do this, but if I were you, I would have like a. This is my measure for when I can go home. <laughs> like, what would success look like for this event? It would look like this many conversations, and at that point, I can stay if I want to, or I can go. And as long as I'm not being impolite, then yes. I'll leave if I want to. I, but, um, I remember clearly at the 20 year reunion, my an old friend of mine, Nick, was uh, at some point said, "Well, I think I'm done now. I might go. <laughs> oh, I run. You're done now." And yeah, that's a guy we haven't seen for 15 years, but he was like, "Oh no." That's, that'll do. So That'll do. Uh, I appreciate it. He's a role model for me, Nick. 
And me. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that's but, great, Richard. I think that's a really good plan. Yes. Well, I will share with I'll share with you and the listeners how it goes It'll, in the after you know, October. Yeah. So that sounds great. Right. Oh dear. And what have you been reading? You've been reading John. Yes. Yes. Reading through John. Uh, loving that time in the Gospels. And I was um, yeah found John fifteen helpful today. Just again a simple kind of thing. Uh, this is John. Um, part of John where Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room, the upper room discourse kind of thing. Mm. Um, and uh, he gets to, uh, well, he, he's on his way to the, the garden, but he keeps speaking as he, uh, as he talks. And uh, in John 15, it's about the vine and the branches. And the verses I thought I'd just read and reflect on is verse 9 to 12. He says, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Mm. Uh, Now, the things I've was reminded of this morning from that is just the connection between um, obedience, uh, obeying commands, and unity with Christ, fellowship with Christ, intimacy with Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the temptation is to think, I like the, you know, connected with Christ thing, but the obedience, not so much. Maybe I can have the connection and just go easy on the obedience. But so we're trying to, you know, split those two things. But um, this is a good reminder for me that I can express my yeah love for Jesus, um, fellowship with him, intimacy with him, union with Christ, um, and that goes together with obedience to him, keeping his commands, particularly the band to love, uh, love others, which I take, yeah, very widely. Uh, mm. So just that was helpful. And I think the second thing is just that mention of joy. So this is not a, mm-hmm. a it's not a sort of overbearing Lord, submissive servant, a contractual kind of mm. dry, cold thing. This is joy. This, and so. Uh, love will lead to joy. Love will lead to great fellowship, intimacy with Christ. Um, uh, joy inspires those things. So just keeping all that role together is, uh, I think, going to be helpful for me this week as I um, yeah, continue to try and um, yeah live a life that's pleasing to God. Yeah. Mm. I love that you've kind of applied the text to yourself. But what I was wondering as you were talking was, how would you... Um, like, how do you think about your ministry when you're doing your quiet times? Does that often come in or are you really trying to um, first apply it to yourself and your family and, and not not let that ministry stuff come in too much during your quiet times in the morning? What do you do? Yeah, uh, that's a good question, Joe. I think, um, yeah, I try to um, yeah, focus on my own relationship with God. Um, I think Sp- it might be Spurgeon's got this great quote that uh, when he reflects on his ministry, he says something like, um, what my people need most from me is my personal holiness. Have you heard that quote before? It sounds familiar, but I wouldn't know where it comes from. Right? Yeah. What my people need most is my personal holiness. So, um, yeah, I um, that means uh, yeah, I take trying to learn and grow in my quiet times seriously. Yeah, for my own sake, but also knowing that that will be that will have an impact down the line in in terms of ministry. Yeah, one mm-hmm. way or another. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's part of it. Um, and I, I'm also regularly, regularly presenting all my worries to God in prayer as well. So <laughs> there's a big, uh, a big, uh, 
big download on God uh, in during Richard's spare time. <laughs> of uh, my various worries, yeah. And thankfully, he's more than more than capable of handling all that. And he, yeah, he loves when we cast our anxieties on him because he cares. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, what an encouraging time in John. <laughs> yes, it's uh, sounds good. Very good reading the Bible, as you and I mm. know and love. Uh, yeah. But Joe, you've been uh, reading and thinking. What what's going on for you? Yes, well, it's been choose your adv- own adventure term at HBC, as you would know. And so, for anyone who doesn't go to HBC or isn't familiar with our growth group yearly plan, generally in term three, growth group leaders um, had choose your own adventure time where they um, choose what they would like to teach their groups, and we ideally would encourage them to write their own studies. Um, encourage some trainees to write some studies. And the goal is really to provide um, scaffolded teaching material throughout the year, uh, but also to give growth group leaders in term three a chance at really setting their own teaching goals and, and reaching them in the Bible. And so Ruth and I, my growth group leader, Kefela growth group leader and I agreed that we wanted to do a study that would be helpful for the group. We have done some Psalms, but also um, the group decided that they would like to dig into the topic of money. And so I asked for a bunch of more detail about, and, and generosity essentially, but more detail around that. And we ended up doing one night last night on the topic of money and generosity. And I was reading, I decided to read a book um, chapter from a book called uh, Redeeming Money by Paul David Tripp. And the chapter is called uh, The Generosity Agenda. It grabbed my attention because I was really thinking about the generosity of God and um not everything in the chapter was stuff that jumped out at me is something I would, how I would phrase it or what weight I would put on the concepts he was addressing. But there was something that really challenged me and the group, and we read some of it yesterday in the group. So I'll just read a few yeah. things. Um, let me give you the punchline of this chapter first and then unpack it in some detail. The biblical story is a generosity story. No words capture the essence of this story better than these. For God so loved the world that he gave... Having money in its proper place in your heart and life is not just about good budgeting and freedom from debt. The biblical standard is much higher. You know you have money in the right place in your heart when the culture of acquisition has been replaced in your heart with a culture of generosity, where joy in giving overwhelms joy in getting. Could it be that the primary purpose for money in your life is not that you would live, but that as God has lavishly done in your life, you would give? And I thought, ooh. Wow. And he then lays out how God is generous throughout the chapter. And so he moves in a um, uh, salvation timeline, starts in creation and moves to uh, the early, to Abraham, the covenants and the early church fathers and the Exodus and, um, and then into the incarnation of Jesus and grace and that, that he accepts his, that he accepts our love and he gives us the scriptures and he gives us the daily mercies of what we need for each day. And then of course, eternity. And then he says this, it really is true that the great redemptive narrative is, is itself the world's best and most important generosity story. This means your hope in life and death rests on the fact that your Lord is a bountiful, gener- bountifully generous king who sent his son to set up a kingdom marked by its generosity of love, grace, forgiveness, daily mercy, and the faithful supply of all we need. So when he invites us and calls us to seek his kingdom rather than work to store up physical earthly treasures, he's calling us not just to value spiritual things more than we value earthly things but to be part of his generosity mission on earth. So much of the way sincere Christians look at money, finances, and budgeting seems to miss this gospel theology of generosity. Without the gospel theology of generosity, discussions of money become about how to steward what God has given you, 
how to keep out of debt, how to fulfill your contractual financial obligations, how to have financial stability, etc. None of these things is wrong, but all of them are helpful in some way, but the whole plan is devoid of the larger consideration of the call to be God's ambassadors on earth. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and so I found it, yeah, I found it really encouraging because it made me think, yes, giving and generosity is being like my father who's been generous to me. And says, so I see my money, it's not for my life, it's for my, gen- like to be generous um, to others. And so I'll use some of my money for stewarding, et cetera, like it talks about, but that's not actually the biggest framework. I need to have a theology of generosity that shapes all my other money decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that is, I'm very encouraged by your group willing to take on a, um, a, a tough topic like money. Oh, yeah. Enthusiasm for that. That's, mm. um, yeah, really uh, good. Uh, and to see you and Ruth work hard at um, some reading and thinking and trying to mm. you know, bring stuff to this, um, yeah, this study. And then, yeah, that challenge itself, I, th- I think is great. Um, um, mm. Generosity of God. Um, yeah, I think uh, this is something I need to be thinking over a bit more. Uh, mm. In this particular season of our lives, in this yeah, in this term, um, mm. so that's a, a good. So there's there's a good wisdom in that book. Maybe not a hundred percent endorsement, but, but yeah, yeah. Some, but, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it's just the idea that um, even just going to John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave. I was like, oh yes, it's a gift that He gave us His Son, His one and only Son, and it <laughs> a very familiar verse. Just the emphasis in the book made me reconsider how God gave his son. And that was just so wonderful. So I'm really thankful for the author's writing. And um, as I was, we were discussing some scenarios as we finished the study last night and um, I was just in a small group discussing the scenarios. And as we were talking, I was thinking, yes, it's worth pushing into the discomfort of, oh, I want to keep this money. And thinking, no, godliness is seeing this money as um, is a gift from God and living generously and, and really feeling pushed in that. And so it was good. Well, we are out of time, Joe, but um, mm-hmm. it's been great chatting about women's football and uh, <laughs> school reunions, John, yes. and uh, money. A uh, little shout out to Jesse, who uh, got in touch about um, the book that I had pulled off the shelf um, in a previous podcast. He uh, confessed up and said that was his uh, donation to the to the hub, um, <laughs> yeah, Purpose and Preaching by Jay Adams. So thank you, Jesse. I've, I've written his name in it, but uh, he's happy for it to stay, yes, um, the common property. But um, <laughs> that's all we've got time for. I look forward to yeah. chatting with you next week, Joe. Sounds good. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.